You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fanside Network. Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. All right. Happy Thursday, everybody. The Timberwolves, of course, played Wednesday night. They played a a hard-fought game against the LA Clippers and ultimately lost. The big news, however, the headline of the night was that Carl Anthony Towns returned when I recorded the Wednesday episode. He was listed as doubtful. It was well before the Sham Sharani report that came in early afternoon uh, suggesting that Towns might play. Towns then himself refuted that report on Twitter, saying it was news to him that he would play and that they were going to see how he felt. And sure enough, he did play. He started. Shams was right. And um, and the, and he played. The Timberwolves played well, especially early in the game, but then ultimately lost the Clippers by seven points at the end. Um, so we'll talk about the game today. That'll be the primary thing we talk about. But I want to focus in on some key takeaways more so than just like the game flow itself. I want to talk about how the Wolves operated their offense, how Towns and Malik Beasley are going to share the ball. D'Angelo Russell did not play, so we still haven't seen that Towns-Beasley-Russell trio. I guess we've seen it four times this year still. Um, and uh, this is the first time that Russell's missed a game that Towns has played in. So I want to talk about what that could look like moving forward and peek ahead at the schedule here as well. So we'll get to all that today. A quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts, including iTunes. You can follow on Spotify and follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T as well as at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K. E-N. All right. Um, so Wolves Clippers on Wednesday. Timberwolves actually started out this game fairly well. Um, they led pretty big in the first quarter. They got up 10 points before the midway point, uh, about 630 left in the first. They're up by 10. They uh, got up by as many as 11. But then things kind of stalled out in the middle of the first quarter. They they were looking for Carlton Towns quite a bit early. He attempted a couple of threes and missed them right away and then quickly got back into the flow and um, and made a three-pointer, and then he uh, had a transition dunk, and then he had a dunk, I believe, on an offensive uh, offensive rebound. Um, Josh Okogie was scoring. It was Josh Okogie looked like a completely different player and uh, in the first quarter was was cutting, was actually handling the ball in the offense and making good decisions, was scoring in transition, was active defensively, and everything was, was going quite well, and then the game just kind of stalled. It was 24-16 Timberwolves. And nobody scored for over three minutes. Um, and the Wolves were actually playing good defense. This wasn't just inept offense from the Clippers. It was one of those rare situations where the Timberwolves were actually scrambling and recovering and and um, helping on defense and contesting basically every shot. And it's, it's very rare when the Timberwolves play somebody and you feel like every time an opponent shoots a shot, you're like, oh, that does, that's not going to go in as soon as they let go of it. It happens a lot for the Timberwolves um, where, you know, Anthony Edwards takes a tough flat footed jumper or, um, you know, Josh Okogie jacks up a three from the wing or whatever. And as soon as the ball leaves their hands, you're like, that's ah, probably not going to go in. I had that feeling watching the Clippers offense for that middle stretch of the first quarter because they were taking a lot of mid range jumpers. The Timberwolves were contesting. They were playing hard. The bench was up. There was like this energy. Of course, so much of it had to do with Carl Anthony Towns being back. And I, you know, it just felt like 
the Clippers weren't going to score. And they did it um, for almost three minutes. The problem is neither did the Timberwolves. They did not take advantage of the Clippers' offensive ineptitude and their own, the Timberwolves' own solid defense. Um, there were just just misses and misses and misses. And the bench started to come into the game. So Towns is off the floor. Um, McDaniels is in the game. McLaughlin's in the game. Nasri's in the game. And we saw, obviously, a much better bench stint later in the game. And we'll get to that. But for this three-minute stretch in the first quarter, the Wolves could not take advantage. The Clippers got right back into it and ultimately were down by just five at the end of the first quarter after Lou Williams made a three with 13 seconds left on the clock. So the Wolves built as much as an 11-point lead, had the opportunity to to build on that even more, but won the first quarter just 32-27. to 27. Of course, each of the last two games, Saturday and Monday, the Wolves gave up exactly 43 points in the first quarter in both those games. So this was a step in the right direction. Unfortunately, the second quarter was a lot like the middle stages of the first. There just wasn't a ton of offense. Um, in fact, nobody scored until two minutes and 13 seconds into the second quarter. Neither team scored. So again, the Wolves failing to take advantage of of their solid defense. This has been the theme of the season. We talked a lot about the Wolves' offensive issues on Wednesday's show. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. And one of the things I pointed out was the Wolves' inability to get to the free throw line, and that reared its ugly, ugly head in this one. The Clippers attempted 29 free throws. The Wolves only attempted 19, and they were in single digits until late in the third quarter in terms of free throw attempts. That's not going to get it done. I mean, you're leaving 10 possible points at the free throw line. They also made 10 less free throws than the Clippers. Um, So that was a big issue. The Wolves were not being aggressive getting into the paint. And um, Towns wasn't, I think he only had one post touch in this game. Um, The Wolves were looking to get him involved on the perimeter. And he did have a couple of of offensive rebounds as well. Um, Let's see, he actually, yeah, he did have two offensive rebounds. And Towns played fine, um, but the Wolves just, I mean, he didn't attempt any free throws because of the way the Wolves were using him and also the way the game went. Um, and Beasley didn't attempt any free throws in the first half. He ended up making seven in the second half. So it was in some ways a tale of two halves offensively, but unfortunately the defense struggled as the game went on as well. Um, the third quarter, I mean, the Wolves went to the went into halftime leading by six, and then they were a net minus 13 in the third quarter. They trailed by seven, Leading, leaving the third quarter after being outscored 33 to 20. More issues in terms of scoring the basketball. They just, I mean, Beasley only had, I think, five points in the third quarter. And for a long stretch, I don't believe Towns, Towns didn't attempt a, a field goal. He didn't attempt a shot till the quarter was more than half gone. The Wolves were clearly trying to get Beasley and maybe to a lesser extent, Anthony Edwards involved. They were calling, um, they were doing all those sets that they were running when Towns wasn't on the floor to try and get the ball to Malik Beasley. And Beasley did hit a three-pointer immediately in the third quarter, and it felt like, okay, now he's going to get on track. But he never really found it. And Edwards had a little bit of a tough quarter. Um, and and for the game, I mean, Towns still ended up leading the Wolves in field goal attempts, or he tied Beasley. They each attempted 15 shots. But, I mean, Jalen, no- I mean the the bench unit, I guess, is is all Nas Reed and Jalen Noel, so their their field goal attempts don't matter as much. But Josh Kogi attempted fourteen shots in this game. That's never what you want to see, and and I understand that he was trying to be aggressive, and I'm sure the coaching staff told him, take what the defense gives you. You need to be aggressive. But the third quarter was almost identical to what we saw in Golden State a couple of weeks ago, to what we've seen a couple of times since then, where the, the Thunder did this where the opposing team completely ignores Josh Okogie and they essentially play with a free safety who just kind of hangs out 
on the edge of the paint and can cleanse himself and get back in without getting the defensive three seconds call. And frankly, there were a couple times in this game where Serge Ibaka should have been called for defensive three seconds. But they basically play with a free safety, allow Okogi to catch the ball and either shoot a three or pump fake or and dribble into trouble, which is what he did was happy to do plenty of, especially in the third quarter. For as good as he was in the first quarter, he was he was the Josh Okogi that we that we struggled to watch on Monday and over the weekend in Oklahoma City versus the Josh Akogi that we saw for so much of the first two years of his career. And um, he did make a three, his first attempt in the game, but then he missed three after that. He uh, was just four of 14 from the field, one of three at the free throw line. But the third quarter offense was, I, I don't want to, you know, I, the phrase coaching malpractice gets overused quite a bit, but it, the Wolves did not pull the plug on Josh Kogi being in the game fast enough. They also didn't call enough sets to get the ball in Carl Anthony Towns' hands. They did a couple of times in the Clippers. The Clippers have good wing defenders, and they made things difficult for Towns to find open cutters. They made it difficult for Beasley to catch the ball cleanly and get shots up. I mean, obviously, Kawhi Leonard, Nicholas Batum is big. He's he's a solid defender still, long arms. And the Wolves could not get their offense going in the third quarter, and that was a major issue. Uh, The Wolves were down seven going to the fourth. They ended up playing the fourth quarter to a draw. They were still in the game with with, eh, four or five minutes to play in terms of it just kind of being around that eight to 10 point mark, they never really got closer and the margin could have been a little bit more, but they kept playing the foul game down the stretch and Beasley got some cheap points at the end of the game. So they ultimately lost by just seven. Um, Offense wasn't the problem in the second half, or I should say in the fourth quarter, Um, they just couldn't stop the Clippers. Uh, I think the Clippers scored on their first five possessions of the fourth quarter. And um, a lot of that was on the Wolf second unit, which did well offensively. And we'll get into some of the individual performances here soon, especially Nas Reed um, had a great game. Jalen Noel struggled a bit off the bench, and that was an issue for the second unit. But the bigger problem was the defense that they played was not up to snuff in this game. Um, And that's what put the Wolves in that seven point hole going to the fourth quarter and then kept them there and extended the Clippers' lead into double digits. For much of the first part of the fourth quarter, that was a double-digit lead because the Clippers scored on so many possessions to open the quarter. So um, a disappointing finish to a game that started so promising for the Timberwolves. I want to get a little bit into some of those key takeaways next before we do individual studs and duds. Um, First, though, before we do all of that, we got to talk about the title sponsor of today's show, and that, of course, is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning to wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money so that you can use that for other more important things like your mortgage or food. Why would you want to spend 30, 50, or 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Again, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. They're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto. Dot com. 
February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Pod. Excuse me, Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, um, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Clippers. Um, I mentioned already the the offense and that they got Carl Anthony Towns involved pretty frequently early in the game, but his touches waned as the game went on. And part of that, I, you know, I, the Wolves didn't get out in transition very often in this game. They didn't turn very much defense into offense. They did have eight steals, but... Um, the Clippers and the Clippers turned the ball over 15 times too. It just didn't really seem like the Wolves were truly getting out in transition and scoring early in the game a little bit, but as the game went on, they didn't. And so there weren't as many opportunities there for both Beasley and Towns. The other thing was early in the game, they were running sets for Towns and getting him the ball. Um, but it was just a lot of kind of screen and rescreen and, um, Towns wasn't going to the basket often. Um, he had a couple of dunks on offensive rebounds and, on a fast break early in the game. He wasn't driving the ball to the basket or playmaking for others in that sense. They weren't getting him too many post touches. And somehow Beasley also wasn't really getting open. And again, part of that is credit to the Clippers, who are a solid defensive team and obviously have good defenders, um, individual defenders on the roster. But as the game went on, the Clippers just completely adjusted their strategy to dare Josh Akogi to score. And and one of the issues the Wolves had is Akogi actually scored the ball early in the game. I mean, he had a, a nice drive and reverse layup. He had an open three that he made. He scored in transition and it was almost a false sense of confidence, which obviously you want a cookie to succeed. But from that point forward, then it was like, okay, the Clippers basically played law of averages and said, let's let a Kogi try and do damage. And obviously he couldn't keep that up at that rate. And now you've got your second, your guy who shoots the second most f- shots on the night for the Timberwolves is Josh Akogi, who's arguably the worst shooter on the team. Um, you know, this side of Jared Culver, I don't know that there's any argument. Um, so that was an issue for the Timberwolves. They also tried a little too hard to get Beasley and Anthony Edwards going in the third quarter. And I mentioned that earlier, but those guys are going to get theirs. Um, you know, Beasley's going to find his shots. And he did as the game went on. He shot five of 15. By the way, he was one of four inside the arc, four of 11 outside the arc. He did get to attempt seven free throws, though, because he was so much more aggressive in the second half, but he didn't attempt any in the first half. And um, that was an issue as well, was the Wolves didn't get anything going towards the rim. While they were making their threes early, they almost seemed to be emphasizing the corner three. Part of that's what the Clippers were allowing the Wolves to shoot. And, you know, that that's not an effective shot for Josh Okogie. Obviously, you'd rather have him shooting from the corners than from, uh, you know, above the break. But Edwards was one of five beyond the arc. Um, Vic Daniels was two of five, which is which is fine off the bench. And um, Beasley was four of 11. So, I mean, the Wolves shot the ball OK from outside the arc for the game. They just didn't get much going towards the rim um, at all. And, and that was the another huge issue um, in this game. When they got to the free throw line, they shot 15 of 19, which is fine. Um, but no free throw attempts for Towns, none for Rubio. And I talked about this on Wednesday, but Rubio's in the top four on the team in free throw rate. And he didn't get any free throw attempts up today. Um, Jordan McLaughlin also didn't attempt any free throws and McLaughlin had a quiet night off the bench. Um, so the offensive consistency continues to be a major issue. And, and it's it would be um, foolish of us to, pretend as though reintegrating Carl Anthony Towns would be as simple as a flip of a switch. 
Uh, obviously, he everything happens around Towns, and I tweeted this early in the game. But Towns, and part of the reason Akogi was finding success early, success early in the game was because everything was running through Towns. If Towns had the ball in the perimeter, defenses had to expect both had to respect both the shot and the drive and and um, passing lanes because Towns is such an incredible passer. In in no no similar way to how defenses were guarding the Wolves and Nas Reed. And no offense to Nas Reed. He had a great game in this one. And again, we'll talk about that. He actually he actually led the team in scoring off the bench. Um, but Nas Reed standing on the perimeter holding the ball is not nearly threatening as Carl Anthony Towns standing on the perimeter holding the ball, whether it's a shot, a drive, or a pass. Towns does all those things at a better, um, he does those things better than Nas Reed. And it opens things up for everybody else. They went away from that a little bit in the third quarter in the interest of getting Beasley and Edwards involved. And that was a problem. The other thing is that Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns together only ran by my count, three pick and rolls throughout the game. And I believe they scored on two of them, or maybe Edwards was, was fouled on one of them. He only attempted two free throws on the night. I think it was on a pick and roll with Towns. Um, to this point in the season, Anthony Edwards pick and roll uh, points per possession is, is bad. I believe it's under 0.8 points per possession. If I remember correctly, the last I checked um, and in isolation, it's pretty good. It was one of the better marks in the league as of a couple days ago before this game. I think it was over 1.2 points per possession, which is significant. I mean, that's almost a half point difference per possession, pick and roll versus isolation. Part of that is Edwards' decision making. Part of it is his, um, you know, he's got to figure out how to pass in the pick and roll at the NBA level, and he just hasn't really done that. And teams were loading up on the drive. But in isolation, there's less traffic. And Edwards can straight line jet to the rim and use his physicality and athleticism to try and score and um, and get fouled at the rim or, or whatever that might be. And of course, to this point, he hasn't gotten enough foul calls, but that's what he that's what he tries to do. Right. Um, and that's why he's been more effective in isolation. But again, the pick and roll with Carl Anthony Towns as the role man is a lot different than the pick and roll with Jared Vanderbilt as the role man, which is often what Anthony Edwards has done when he was coming off the bench or for that stretch when Vanderbilt started. It's very different still than within with Nas Reed. It's more dynamic with Reed than Vanderbilt or even McDaniels at this point, obviously. Um, but. Carl Anthony Towns adds an entirely different dynamic um, to to the Wolves offense and allows it to open up so much more. And the idea of an Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns pick and roll is tantalizing. I mean, there's no reason that shouldn't work. Um, Also, side note on Edwards, he attempted only nine shots in this game, which is just the fifth time this season that he's, or actually the fourth time this season, he shot the ball less than 10 times a game. One was the first loss to Denver. One was the San Antonio game that Towns did not play in. That was the 0 for 8 game that Edwards had. And then the Memphis game that Towns did play in was 1 for 6. So now two of the four games in which Edwards has shot the ball less than 10 times, Carl Towns has played. Now, he was coming off the bench in those three. So this is the first time since he entered the starting lineup that Edwards has shot the ball less than nine times in the game. Overall, he was decent in this game. Um, He was 1 of 5 outside the arc, but he was 3 for 4 inside the arc. Did get to the free throw line for a couple of free throws. Had four rebounds and two assists. Um, so this wasn't a bad game by Edwards by any means, but this is the perfect kind of microcosm of trying to find enough ball to go around for scorers like Towns, Edwards, Beasley, and then add in D'Angelo Russell, who I mentioned at the top of the show did not play due to leg soreness. 
there's a lot of shots to go around. And when Josh Okogi is shooting 14 of them, that means that you're not scheming correctly to answer the def- the defense loading up on, on one or two guys, or I guess more accurately, ignoring one guy. Um, or when Rubio's on the floor, that's occasionally an issue as well, but at least Rubio has the ability to create for others. Um, and his shot selection is generally better. It was at least in this game, he was a little more judicious with his shot selection. Um, but a Kogi isn't creating for others and isn't making shots for himself. And the wolves have yet to figure out a way to operate offensively with him on the floor, basically outside of transition attempts or transition opportunities. So, um, again, if, if teams are allowed to play free safety against the wolves, and they're they're still funneling shots to Josh Akogi. He's shooting the ball 14 times and Towns and Beasley are shooting it 15 times. Things are going to change with D'Angelo Russell on the floor. Obviously, Russell has more of a scoring dynamic than both Ricky Rubio and Jordan McLaughlin, who combined to shoot three of 10 in this game for seven points. Um, you know, having D'Angelo Russell on the floor, this is the perfect sort of a game where he makes it, his offensive ability makes a big difference. Um, and so we'll see hopefully on Friday, if he can join Beasley and Towns on the court, the Wolves can have their their efficient um, offensive trio, the, tr- the trio of players who's supposed to be their most efficient offensive players, plus Anthony Edwards. We'll see if the offense can start to turn its way, turn itself around beginning on Friday. I want to do individual studs and duds next before we peek at the schedule ahead and where the Wolves might be able to pick up a victory or two in the coming days as they start to get everybody back healthy. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, if that's your thing. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Right now, you can head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. If you use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag, 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's also talk about 1010. This episode is being brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times, in Style Magazine, or Forbes, and we are excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or simply looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, more than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast out there, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you like to get your podcasts. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds in this game. Um, there there were some pretty clear winners and losers in terms of, of, uh, of individuals for the Wolves. Um, number one, 
for the Timberwolves. Nas Reed was awesome. We haven't really talked about him much in this game. He had 23 points off the bench at nine of 13 shooting, and he was able to um, bottle up what he did as a starter over longer minutes and do that in a short span, backing up Carl Anthony Towns. They shared the floor together for a total of, I think, just under three minutes in this game. And it was mixed results, but not due to their not due to, to that duo. Um, I tweeted this out, but in the fourth quarter, the Wolves tried to go with Nas and Carl Anthony Towns, but it was along with Josh Akogi, Ricky Rubio, and Anthony Edwards. Not what I would have done if I was Ryan Saunders, because those three guys are not plus three-point shooters. Nas and Towns obviously are. Uh, you know, Nas is, I guess, I guess he is so far this year. Um, but if you're going to go with a big lineup that's a little bit less mobile, with Towns and Nas Reed on the court. And also Nas is a below average rebounder for his size. What what are we doing with the other three guys? Why are we not putting other shooters? Why, why is Malik Beasley not on the floor? Um, even Jordan McLaughlin, who's more of a shooting threat than Ricky Rubio. Why is Jalen Noel not on the floor? Um, having Edwards, Rubio, and Akogi together, and Akogi at the three is a really dangerous combination in my opinion and didn't really help that Towns redo on the front court. But at any rate, Nas had a good night, 23 points and only 13 shots, two, three outside the arc, three or four at the line. Again, only had three rebounds, which continues to be an issue um, for the Wolves across the board. He's not the only one, but he also plays center and you need him to rebound at a higher rate than he does. No assists for Nas, but he did have two blocks and a steal and was a minus six in 20 minutes, but a really good game all the way around for Nas Reed. And he gets a stud in this one. Um, This is exactly what the Wolves need him to do is replicate you know, 40% of what Towns does. Um, He can stretch the floor. He can score in the post. He can pass a little bit. He can block some shots. He can do a a fraction of what Towns does. If he can replicate that in his short minutes off the bench, then the Wolves will have, um, you know, they'll have their solution at backup center. And there were some, some question marks about that heading into the season, but I think Nas has had a good season to this point and can certainly bring enough to the table to remain the primary backup to Towns and also play some short minutes next to him. Um, and, and I think that there is potentially some upside there depending on matchups. Another stud in this game, we're going to give it to Carl Anthony Towns, 18 points, 10 rebounds, three assists in his return. Also added a steal, eight of 15 shooting. So he shot better than 50% from the floor, two of seven outside the arc. He had a couple rim out. There was one that was a tough, you know, kind of flat footed end of the shot clock heave. Um, I think he had two that rimmed out. So it easily could have been like a three for six, uh, but you know, it was a two for seven, which is fine. 18 and 10 at three assists. He appeared pretty winded and this is just completely, um, I don't know. This is just my observation on the TV screen, but in his first quarter stint, if there were a couple of replays that were shown of him trying to contest shots, you know, hustle. And he clearly was, it seemed like he was laboring a little bit. Didn't seem that it was quite as bad as the game went on. And so perhaps he got his legs under him and, um, you know, it sounded like based on town's own Twitter account, he was unsure earlier in the day if he was going to be able to play. So the wolves had talked about all week about lung capacity, et cetera. One would think with the day off in between Wednesday's game and Friday's game, of course, he should be able to play on Friday. Um, You know, it's not a back to back, but we'll see. Um, Hopefully that's the case. He did appear to not have, you know, too many issues conditioning wise as the game went on. He also played um, the second most minutes on the team with 31. The Wolves continue to kind of spread those minutes pretty evenly um, or I guess relative to what we're used to seeing with Tom Thibodeau and even going back to Rick Adelman heavily playing their starters, 34, 35, 36, 37 minutes a game. Nobody played more than Beasley's 34 in this game. And that's usually been the norm for the Wolves. You had five bench guys, all of whom played 16 or more minutes. Um, and in, I mean, 
we can have that conversation as this team gets healthy and has a chance to win some games with everybody on, you know, available towns and Russell and Beasley and everybody. But if the wolves are leaving points on the floor and ultimately losing games because they're not playing their best players enough, that's, that's a conversation we'll have on this podcast to be sure. So uh, towns and Nas are two of the studs for this game. Um, I'm going to give the third one to Jaden McDaniels. He was fantastic. He had three blocks in the first half, um, three blocks in like, I don't know, eight or nine minutes, I believe finished with 10 points, three rebounds, three assists, four blocks, four of seven shooting two of five on threes. I believe both of his makes were from the corners and was basically the, the anti Josh Kogi in this game. They almost split minutes. I don't know that they ever shared the court together. And basically when Kogi was off the floor, McDaniels was on the floor and he, it was night and day. McDaniels was far better than Josh Kogi in this game. He actually led the team in plus minus, which has been a thing. I remember I called out his solid game in Oklahoma City. He was the worst. I think he had a minus 20 in one of the games in OKC, and it was not indicative of how well he played. Finally, in this game, he was just he was vindicated, I guess, by the plus minus. If if we want to talk about single game plus minus, which I always say that and then I still bring it up. But 10 points, three rebounds, three assists, four blocks, four of seven shooting and a plus three solid defensively. I, I talked about on Wednesday show. I thought the Wolves would put him on Kawhi Leonard more often. I think they should have done it more often. Um, not that you want to. You know, I didn't think this was a spot to necessarily start the rookie who's who's giving up a ton of weight to Kawhi Leonard and obviously experience and, and all that. But I mean, Kawhi put up, we haven't really talked about the game he had. He had a season high 36 points, eight rebounds, five assists, 13 to 25 shooting better than 50% from the field. He hit five threes in this game on six attempts, which of course is not the norm for Kawhi Leonard. Um, he's not a, he obviously can make the three, but he lives in the mid range and he did for most of this game. He got up 25 shots, um, but he was more than happy to take the threes. The wolves let him take. And Akogi wasn't very good defensively either. Um, for me, I would have given Jaden McDaniels a little bit more of a shot at guarding him. And I kind of tip my hand on duds for this game. One of them is Josh Akogi. Yes, he had 10 points and six rebounds and no turnovers, but he was a four for 14 from the floor, one of four from beyond the arc, one of three at the free throw line, a team worse minus 14, and it wasn't close. In fact, nobody else on the team was worse than a minus six. So he had the worst individual single game plus minus by eight points. Um, among all players on the roster. So disappointing game for Josh. He did not guard Kawhi Leonard very well either. And obviously Kawhi's really good and nobody's going to completely shut him down. But this is, it, it was not the outcome. The Wolves didn't want to see Kawhi drop 36 and Akogi missed 10 shots in this game. But unfortunately, that's what we saw. Um, and I mentioned this earlier, but Akogi's great start to the game. The finish was equally as, as disappointing. Um, so he gets a dud in this game. It's really hard to pick a, another one um, because everybody kind of did their, you know, played their role. Rubio only had five points, but he had 10 assists to three turnovers. Akogi, or excuse me, McLaughlin only had two points, but he had six assists to just one turnover. Um, Vanderbilt, you don't expect him to do more than put up a few points here and there and, and play solid defense. Um, I, I guess you could say rebounding wise, the Wolves really disappointed. They were, um, only out rebounded by five, but you look at the individual rebound totals and, and Vanderbilt has two rebounds. Nas Reed has three rebounds. Um, that was, that continues to be a problem for the Timberwolves. Um, and if you look at defensive rebounds, Nas only had one defensive rebound. Vanderbilt only had one. Of course, there's less rebounds when the opponent shoots 50%, which is what happened. The Clippers shot 50% and 52% on three pointers. Um, so that goes back to defense as much as anything, but you can't have your backup four and your backup five each getting one defensive rebound in a combined 36 minutes in a game. But alas, that's what we saw in this one. Um, so overall, encouraging parts of this game, discouraging end 
Um, defensive issues continue. The offensive consistency continues to be an issue. Uh, I'm super curious to see what this team looks like with Russell and Beasley integrated. Obviously, they went 2-0 and the first part of the season when those guys were on the court. And then they also um, you know, were competitive when Towns came back for those couple of games in the middle of the season or the middle of the season so far. Um, but that's kind of the next thing is, is what happens as these guys all get integrated back into the fold. What does this offense look like, et cetera. Um, next up for the Timberwolves, they have the Hornets at Charlotte on Friday. The Hornets of course have been playing really well lately. Um, and I believe are over 500 or right at 500. Um, let's see the Charlotte are 12 and 14. So they're just under 500, but Charlotte's been playing well lately and this certainly won't be an easy game. Of course, this will be billed as the matchup of the top two draft picks and really the two, the two at this point possibilities for rookie of the year. Clearly they're the two favorites, um, with James Wiseman now injured. Um, but this should be a good game and you can bet Anthony Edwards will want to bring it. He played well in Golden State when they played against Wiseman. So um, that'll be Friday. That's a 6 p.m. Central tip because it's on the East Coast. And then they don't play again until Sunday, which is a 5 p.m. tip against Toronto. So two more road games before coming back home for three, um, three tough home games next week as well with Los Angeles, uh, the Lakers, Indiana, and Toronto, including a back-to-back mixed in there too. So um Charlotte on Friday is the most winnable game in the near future for the Timberwolves. It doesn't, you know, they don't have another game where they'll have a shot at being favored in until they play at, at the Knicks on Sunday, the 21st. Um, and, and, you know, the Knicks have been better than expected this year. So, uh, you know, Friday is a big game for the Wolves to try and pick up a win and get that seventh win before they end up with the 20th loss. Of course, on Friday, we'll preview that game. We'll also talk about, I've been teasing, talking about the trade deadline, which is now roughly six weeks away. So I want to talk about that on Friday's show as well. Talk about some potential targets on the trade market for the Timberwolves and what pieces the Wolves may try and move to uh, to improve the roster. Um, thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts, including iTunes. And if you'd like to give us a review on iTunes, that definitely helps out. Would much appreciate it. Also, you can follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves. That's at Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T and also at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. This episode was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at Blue Nile. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at Blue Nile.com.